You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Intrigan, coming to you on Thursday, February 29th. And in honor of the leave year, we've got tons to jump into. We'll cover the final rumblings of how the Open Cup will unfold and what that means for the club, updates on the different broadcast details announced earlier this week, and some very special season ticket member news. We've got updates about the recent performances in Bermuda you haven't heard anywhere else including talking about new trialists and some key stars who have gone missing in action. With just 15 days to go before our first official kickoff, is this team ready? Joining me to discuss that and so much more is co-host Jason Carey. Jason, how's it going, my friend? Doing pretty good, buddy. So today's the 29th. It's a leap year. We're salary employees. Do we get some sort of compensation for this? Should we have like called out from work today? Because we're not getting paid for that extra day this year, are we? You know... Sometimes you come in with such great jokes, and other times you come in with, what is it, existential crisis moments. I don't know. I actually, I do not have an answer for that. Yeah, midway through the day, I was like, wait, should I not be working very hard today? <laughs> so, you, I mean, like the closest thing I can, can parallel that to is when I was much younger. Do you remember when we used to try to go to bars on, it was like the spring forward, the fall back? And do you remember on the fallback ones, we would go and it'd be, you know, it'd be 2 a.m. Yeah, you get an extra hour of drinking. <laughs> right. And we, or it would be 12 a.m., right? Excuse me. And then the bar would be closing down. You're like, nope, I, uh, I've i got another hour according to this. And no bartender ever wanted to hear it. Like, they just were like, <laughs> we put in eight hours or, you know, we're, we're done dealing with you guys. Get the heck out of this bar. <laughs> this is this is taking that that problem and upgraded it to a true adult situation and i don't think uh i don't think i like that that's the way you started tonight's podcast and you know just dropping random thoughts listeners but, um, let us know uh, do we deserve to get paid because I, I, it's a really good ha- point yeah, any any salaried person yeah any salaried person should this just be should the should leap year just be a universal strike day for the rest of <laughs> space and time i'm down <laughs> of, course, of course but hey listen we have a ton to go over today lots of new news sometimes we usually are just covering what's already kind of happened or what is in the process of happening but i think that listeners are going to really enjoy today's episode because there's a lot of stuff that nobody has heard and we've been holding on to it all week so that we could break it as exclusives versus teasing it on you know the various social media channels or just confirming it and like kind of getting things out. So I'm I'm super excited about tonight. Yeah, let's get right into it, buddy. So the best way to start is that the gear, all of the all of the RIFC kits that we promised two weeks ago that were supposed to be launching on the 16th. Wait, they didn't get lost in the ocean again, did they? No, no. So uh, they didn't get <laughs> they didn't, or at least maybe that's the reason they were delayed and they had to make new ones. I don't know. But we reached out to the distributor and just called as if we were disgruntled customers that hadn't got our orders yet, which is kind of a true statement, and said, hey, like, listen, you sent an email. You said the kits would be launching on the 16th. Where's my stuff? And they said, hey, like, we really apologize. They've actually been waiting for the Rhode Island kits to come from Capelli. So this wasn't a distributor issue. This wasn't a Rhode Island FC issue. 
this was a Capelli situation, and Capelli has been late on getting those kits to uh, the consumers. So the distributor does intend to have them over the next five days, and they will start shipping those out by no later than March 8th. So they have made commitments and promises that fans will have their road kits in hand before the March 16th game. Obviously, that's not great because if that's March 16th, it's like, dang, that's been like 30 days since the original commitment. But the most important part is if some fans were only buying the energy or excuse me, the road kit and not the energy kit, they'll have something important to wear on the inaugural match. The one thing I wanted to say, and I I said this to the club and I've said it to a couple of the people in the discord, New Mexico United, our first opponents just launched their like yellow kit with this teal sash and they've got like a papyrus font like they're they're really embracing like 1995 as a year. If the yellow kit is the thing that they're going to be wearing for their match and we're wearing the we'll be wearing the bay blue kit then is that something where fans should be trying to intentionally like blue out the stadium for the day i know a lot of clubs especially when it's their rivals they make sure they don't wear if there's any kind of color coordination that day that could be miscon you know misconstrued or if they want to make sure that they show up in the color the primary color of their club that's a thing is that something that we need to worry about here with rhode island fc and the fans like should they be intentionally wearing the energy kit even if they love the road kit more I think maybe in this specific circumstance, because the team we're playing against, our away kit colors line up with theirs, probably should stick to to the blue. I think in any other kind of circumstance, like it doesn't really matter. They're still wearing an RAFC kit. I mean, I know that we don't have enough influence to make that kind of change across all of the fans. It's just one of those exercises where you think, like, do you want to try to make sure you look the part of representing the way that the players look on the field. So whether you wear the road or energy, unless unless the club comes out and makes a request of it, we're never going to push an agenda here. I still think the road kit is the better of the two. And in fact, we uh, dunked on the, that guy on social media today who rated the road kit like like it was a Dave Portnoy pizza slice. And so I said, this rating <laughs> is like just garbage. Just throw it away. So do whatever you want. But in the gear, the reason we even brought up the gear is we also found out in the same vein that there is more gear coming down the way. Rhode Island FC has got to make their money, right? Like, that's why you start a soccer club. You sell the merch. It's, you don't win titles. You just sell the merch. You can win a title on, on along the way if you want. But there's some new gear coming. And I asked, like, is this going to be more winter gear? Is this, like, gear that you have to make and have ready for the uh, the spring and the only answer I got back was we made something that you demanded on the podcast that you requested. Nice. So we started working through like, what could that be? I figured it out. What is it? We got dog bandanas on the way. We did it. Nice. So we, we took care of the human children and now dog children are now also covered. So as soon as those dog bandanas show up, I'm buying like five. I only have one dog. I'm buying like five. <laughs> well, I got three. So there we go. Three more sold. Perfect. Perfect. Before we move on from the merch, though, I did have an interesting kind of thought here. Because this is our inaugural season, this will be the first year where you guarantee that everyone will be wearing a kit that is either is, is like in play this year. Whereas as a team has been around for a while, you start to see like, oh, that guy's got a kit from like 10 years ago. Or that's the away kit from like five seasons ago that everyone liked. And you know what I mean? Like you see a wide variety of different jerseys throughout the years. This is our first year. We only have that home and away kit. So that's, you know, outside of just a t-shirt or like hoodie that has RFC on it. Those are the only two options you got right now. One of my favorite things that podcasters in the media does when enough years have gone by is they start 
rating the best of series and kits like over the last five years you know assume there's at least the home and the away and then maybe a third alternate community kit kind of thing which ones take the top five out of the last five years right i i love i cannot wait to be sitting here four years from now and doing that and hoping that the road kit still is at least in the top two i also am curious though and this is something we'll have to play back the tape and like set a reminder for for years to come what is the name that you would see most likely on the back of the kit who is not successful in their in their tour or time with Rhode Island FC and then you see that name later you're like oh Frank <laughs> Frank Lampard for the New York City FC like come on like what a waste of time right <laughs> who's going to be that name that someone has that's like ooh that was a moment in time I'd rather just continue to not remember happened yeah that'll be funny to see how that pans out that one you know just to wait and see we haven't we haven't got to the season yet I mean, we're getting pretty close though that that's the jersey you'll see in four years it's like that's one of the crazies that's one of the diehards that you know knows what punishment <laughs> this guy's can be. got a few screws loose <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's jump into this because like i said we have a ton to go over today we got to get through this open cup stuff because more news has finally been confirmed and as a result we just want to kind of get this out there put our final thoughts on it wrap a bow on it and then just move on with life so mls has confirmed their participation in the event they are going to put together eight teams, uh, which had, we'd already kind of talked about from a rec- an earlier leak, but we didn't know which teams those would be. We had speculated, would they be bottom of the table? Would they be something else? So it looks like what MLS decided, according to them, because there's been arguments that clubs begged to participate, and I don't know how you beg to a single oh, entity. And, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, it's all, it's all showmanship. You know, It's like, oh, we, we tried to listen to the fans. We tried to accommodate them. But they chose instead the clubs that were in the middle of the pact, which were uh, the ones that had not earned a CONCACAF berth, but were not bottom either. So that's LAFC, Seattle, uh, Atlanta, RSL, Dallas, Sporting Kansas City, San Jose, and then Houston is going back to defend their their championship run so you would you would ask that last week about like would they come back it's absolutely uh what the case is here now as i kind of thought about this and unpacked it in the future and i heard one of these pieces on another podcast and so i just don't remember which one i still think that the opportunity here is if mls keeps it to eight teams in the future if one of them does win the open cup they of course can take one of those spots but i think it would be better if they just did a mock relegation system where the bottom eight or bottom four aside, have to participate in the Open Cup the next season as a form of this scheduled congestion punishment. Because like there has to be a consequence for doing poorly. Guess what that consequence is? You have to go and fund another club showing up at your stadium and playing a game that you don't care about, or you're that bad of a squad that this is the only thing you could win. So it's like it's like a it's like a wooden spoon of of tournament participations, if you will. The one thing I would say about that is I think that USL clubs would maybe take that personally as a like, oh, you don't, you're not sending your best, right? It's just, here's the teams that weren't very good last year. It does from a perspective, from a schedule perspective, make sense though, in terms of those clubs are, are not going to be participating in other various tournaments that MLS has made up throughout the year. But yeah, I, I just don't think that clubs, USL clubs would maybe from the perspective of like hey it gives us a better chance to win this tournament but at the same time these guys are professionals and they have that competitive spirit they don't want to play your like beat your b team and just like brag about it they want to beat the best that mls has to offer 
we don't know yet if CONCACAF will still approve with this new format that they will offer one of the spots, right? So we we will find that out at a later date. Someone said in in a kind of post-mortem or a if the eventual death of the Open Cup were to happen, a silver lining would be technically by population and by um, attendance. USL is one of the top five uh, soccer leagues in North America. And as a result of that, by default through the bylaws, they would then technically deserve, even though they're Division Two, they would deserve one of the way CONCACAF distributes a champion spot. Mm-hmm. And But it would take the Open Cup, the way the amount of current champions uh, seeds go to American-based teams, it would take the demise of the Open Cup to even free that up. So some are saying, hey, like, if the Open Cup went away, the USL could then host an internal version of the Open Cup across all of the different sides and create their own system. And then they could still distribute one championship berth each season. But I don't like and I don't think USL wants that either to, for that to come off of the uh, the demise of something as as important as the Open Cup. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But we, we do need to find out if CONCACAF will still approve that with this system. But then real quick, just to close out the other side of it. So we did also say that MLS Next Pro did weasel their way in to the Open Cup. The only difference here is that they're starting in the first round. So I'm not going to say the two after each one because that just gets a little redundant. But these are all of the two sides for MLS Next Pro. So you've got NYCFC, you've got Red Bulls, New York, Austin FC, Chicago Fire, Colorado Rapids, LA Galaxy, Minnesota United, Portland Timbers, and then Crown Legacy FC, which is Nate's old club. So that's the clubs that will be there. Did you notice a name that we didn't mention in any way, shape, or form? The Revs, too. Yeah, the, the, the Revs, The version too. of the other team that I don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, we knew that the Revs with the with the CONCACAF berth were not going to be in, but the Revs, too, not participating. That was a bit interesting. That, I don't... Is, that is interesting. Do we... Do we have any speculation or any insider knowledge as why something like that would happen? I, I don't know why these clubs were picked. I don't know. And, you know, again, the Chicago Fire 2 were accepted in, but it was Chicago Fire who publicly earlier today said that they begged MLS to let their main team participate. So I, I don't know what that means then, because if they got one of them in, like, would they wanted both? Like, I don't I don't understand that You know at what's all. funny? And in, in that regard, I honestly would believe that Chicago Fire would want to because it always seems like they're that club in MLS that gets dunked on a lot and that doesn't really doesn't really do a lot. 1998 mm. was so long ago. So long. Mike McGee and his big day out. Like It was just a long, long time ago. They should change their name to like Windy City FC. Didn't, I feel like we have you, had this I'm pretty sure you, you came. I don't know if you came up with that. Or it was Windy City else. and then the year it was created. It's like Windy City like 1836 to go like that oh, yeah. kind of German like that, style. That would be so cool. Yeah. MLS, you can pay me least, later for yeah, it. Some of these names are just a little too generic for me. So, anyways, so we don't. So those are, that's what we do know. What we don't know, like we mentioned, is the Concacaf piece. And as of this recording, no one could confirm if that revenue share thing was still going on. What's important here is is that with these with these MLS clubs being announced, there's no senior club that's in our immediate region. So that tells me that we're not at risk of having to probably in the first or earliest stages be lined up against one of them. So even if revenue share does become a topic, it's not going to impact the club. But then in the MLS Next Pro space, if they if some of these clubs do advance, there's a likelihood we could see one of the New York teams or Crown Legacy. They're not super close, but they would be kind of the next closest because they're one of the few left on the East Coast side of things. So that's how that could shape out if we make some sort of a deep run and these Next Pro teams make a deep run. But my money is still on Hartford. 
Uh, I talked to the club earlier. They haven't committed to anything yet on whether they would host an Open Cup game, but they did remind me that they are still renters in a in a foreign space, which makes any of those kinds of things difficult. So I think that if there is a game to be held at Bryant, it's going to have to be a really special game or a really important game. And it's like if you're going to make a deep push, do you wait to do you wait to reserve the home field advantage deeper in to see what the team could do? Or do you take the immediacy, you know, especially as a new club, like I, I think you wait till you're in the final or the, the like the close to the end of the tournament knockout rounds before you try that. Yeah, I would I would rather take my chances on the road earlier on. And then when it really matters towards the end, get some of those home births. With all that's gone down with the Open Cup and the way that MLS has been kind of actively antagonistic towards the tournament, do you think as like USL fans, we need to kind of maybe rally behind USL as a whole? Meaning that like, say RFC doesn't make it too far, uh, you know, should we be rooting for a any USL team? To win it, even if it's like Hartford. Don't say it. Oh, he said it. <laughs> you know he what I mean? It. Like if, if they were some, if somehow they stumbled their way into a final and it was like Hartford versus, you know, I don't know, San Jose, you yeah. know? like Yeah, no, 100%. Like I, I hate that you're making me say this out loud, but yes, it is USL, it is RAFC first, USL second, and then everything else. And it, in all honesty, before I was even a fan of Rhode Island FC, I think we had the same mentality back in the day with MLS when our squad, when our team got knocked out, who was the, who was the darling, who was the, the under, the underdog in the league. And that's the, that's the team I want to rally behind. That's, that's the magic of the open cup, right? Like that's the, that's the storyline you want to see unfold. So absolutely. Even if it's that, that team that's less than the best in the West, I would support them because I want to see the USL advance. I want to see them knock MLS off a pedestal. And I would then challenge our club to make sure in the in the following season we show up and make sure that we take that title for ourselves because that's where suddenly the Open Cup can have more meaning. But to kind of double down on that, the other thing that we have to make sure we do, and this goes out to all the listeners and all the fans, is we have to show up for these games, whether it's at the stadiums in attendance if we can, it's it's in the TV ratings watching them, however they show up in the streams. It's it's getting on social media and being active. Uh, it's having watch parties. It's 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 all of that stuff that tells the USSF to pay attention, because right now there is a there's a fight for the the soul of the Open Cup, and I guarantee you that with this dropped number of teams, MLS will be watching and saying this doesn't make us money. And now look, we pulled one, we pulled two thirds of our clubs out, and now the the ratings are even less. Right, so. This is a year, so if, if fans of any league, not just USL, want to see the Open Cup, you have to participate. You have to practice. You're, you have to preach what you uh, what you you have to practice what you preach, and you have to show up for these things. And that means maybe it's not just Rhode Island FC games. That means like find the Sharktopus FCs of the world, and where you, where you can watch them and where it makes sense, go and go and participate in that. Go have fun and support soccer in this country because otherwise we're we're at risk of losing something very special. Preaching to the choir. We uh we really need to make sure that we uh as fans do our best to uh to uh, I'd say at minimum watch the game. I know that sometimes the, a lot of these games are midweek. Maybe if you can't make it to the game, make sure you turn in because they'll get those rating numbers. 
Yeah. Go if watch they, your go, go watch a rebroadcast uh, on YouTube or wherever they go. Right. Like they'll they'll pay attention to the numbers. Speaking of broadcasts, that's a perfect segue. Uh, we have our we have our all of our broadcasts are are anchored in. We, we've got that all figured out finally. <laughs> anchored in. Yeah, you nice. saw what I did there. Uh, ESPN Plus. That's the second vendor. We kind of alluded to it. We had heard some rumblings internally in the league and amongst other um, media groups that follow the follow the league. And so we can confirm that ESPN Plus is the additional vendor. So let's just unpack this. I mean, a lot of people already know this. So let's just go over the go- the pros and the cons, so to speak. One, the pros, most people already have ESPN. You had already joked about that on the last episode. Uh, and whether they have it for sports or they have it as part of that Hulu Disney bundle, a lot of people already have that. Likewise, with CBS uh, slash Paramount Plus slash Golazo, a lot of people already have that one. I actually pulled up a streaming like by the numbers of subscriptions and Paramount's in the top five. So it's not like it's Peacock or Tubi or Fubo or whatever other ones are out there. Um, so a lot of people probably already have these two. Now, if you don't, the it's still not a bad deal. Five ninety nine for Paramount slash CBS, and then the unbundled ESPN version is ten ninety nine. So to watch every game you want at about sixteen dollars a month, I can think of worse deals out there or or poorer ways I've spent money. So I'm I'm not terribly concerned about that. And then if you're still a if you're not a cable cutter and you still have you know cable, Nesson's still readily available to you in your current package. So you're getting it through the Nesson options, at least where they are covering the games. We still don't know what Nesson will be covering because this news is still new to the week. So I anticipate we'll have more information about Nesson's offerings starting next week. But whether it's Nesson or Nesson Plus, like you can still have it. I think for us and I think for a majority of people, they're gonna probably participate through the CBS and ESPN plus part of it, but that's just really exciting to know. In terms of the cons, though, it's not a great look that we're trying to be this central powerhouse and we still need multiple platforms to get this across. I don't I don't really appreciate that in the sense of convenience. But the thing that I have not heard anyone talk about, so this is kind of my hot take, is where this really can kind of uh, dilute the talent in the league is different vendors equals different broadcast partners, which means different personalities, different anchors. And, you know, one of the most important things I think to grow this sport is making sure that the talent either at the stadium or on the broadcast is something that you can kind of fall in love with alongside the club. So you get that personality, you get that sports broadcaster who kind of becomes that that name brand thing in your home. And when you have multiple companies like this, the investment in it is going to either conflict or you're going to just kind of see it as an assignment versus a dedication and that can mean the world of difference on how you enjoy soccer, especially from a watch party perspective when the games are away. So that's one thing I'm not really so excited about because, and I don't know ESPN's, I, I never really paid attention yet on like what that looks like. I hope that there's some investment in a in a New England approach where the, it's for the community by the community, but we don't know that yet. But that's kind of a down, a, an unintended consequence of having multiple partners that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet. For RFC specifically, I just wonder, too, if this is something that over the years will kind of maybe organically happen. It's going to be our first season. So, you know, maybe if enough people kind of clamor for like a, you know, specific New Rhode Islander or New Englander to brought, like be the voice of RFC, maybe that's something we'll see. It would just be frustrating to know that we could be in, again, like the year five joke. We're doing this. We're a voice. We're a consistent voice. But every week, 
it's just like the run of the mill broadcaster who got recruited up because it was a slot in a schedule and this person had availability. Like that is what I want to make sure that the club and the league avoid. So it, it will only learn through time, but I know other sports at, at this stage, especially with broadcasting packages, they have to deal with that if they don't have like the local, the local anchored anchor. Um, yeah, I did it twice there. <laughs> But so it's just it's just a watch out for me. But but then combining that too with the national TV announcement. So on top of ESPN Plus being announced, once they knew that, the club and the league then br- uh, put out all of the games that would be displayed on national levels, and there was a lot of complaints online, all over the spectrum of certain teams getting as many as five games, certain teams getting zero broadcast games when it comes to the national stage, and it was it was just kind of a very inconsistent tone from fans of the league. Uh, Rhode Island FC is only getting one game on national broadcast coverage, and that's against the Legion. It is an away game at Birmingham on Wednesday, July 17th at 8 p.m. And let me tell fans right now why none of that matters. One is people were like, well, why didn't they cover the Derby? We even said it's a shame that they didn't cover the Derby because I feel like that is going to be one of the games that's the one that could set as an example for the league of like what good looks like. But having said that, it's not like a a game changer that fans or randoms watching at the national stage who just happen to tune into soccer that they don't see that. Like we'll still have that game available on ESPN plus or, well, it will be ESPN plus on that one. So that's not like the end of the world. But the other thing that people kind of didn't really see in the pattern is most of these games are on Wednesdays and Fridays because that's where these broadcast opportunities are made available. If the games are Wednesday and Friday, and we don't have that many because we don't play a lot because of the contract requirements with Bryant this year, it's not a big deal. And then also, we play at Bryant. I'm pretty sure both the club and the league don't want to really showcase to the the entire country's population a college environment. Bryant is great. I'm not throwing any shade their way, but it's not what we what we've promised the world with Tidewater. So I imagine they want to shake. They want to save that shiny new thing that that fantastic experience for next year when it counts does that resonate with you yeah that that makes sense 100 percent. i think this will be the first year you know we'll jump into the pool and then uh next year when we have shiny tidewater we'll be like yo check us out so i've been looking a little bit more into the cbs deal and i noticed that they're saying the games will be streamed on golasso network and you can just get that through Pluto TV, which is free. Or you can also just go onto the internet to watch it. Um, Are you already giving listeners the life hacks to have an even cheaper so, cost? So, yeah, I don't, you know, I would maybe look into this a little more. Tell me you pirate soccer streams without telling I'm me not, you pirate I'm, soccer these streams. These aren't pirate. This is, this is their legitimate deal. So there's obviously the games that are being televised on national CBS. So as long as you have an antenna, right? That doesn't, it, besides the cost of the antenna, that's not a streaming <laughs> service. And then Golasso Network, from what I can see here, is just a, a free channel. So you might still need the ESPN Plus deal, but Paramount, I would think, is maybe not a necessity. There is a fairly long post on um, USL Pro Reddit, if you guys want to check that out. It was posted a few days ago before. I, I think that might have been before the ESPN deal. So I don't know if that changes things, but you might not need to actually sign up for Paramount Plus. Okay. Unless, of course, you want to watch like Star Trek or something. We'll, we'll find out. 
right? Right now, we at least start with what we know, and then we'll we'll do the science and we'll experiment this season to see if that's actually a cheaper cost. So, speaking of gifts to to the fans, even though you just dropped freebies, let's drop another freebie <laughs> to uh, to season ticket members. So there is an event here, like you said, for season ticket members. RFC is playing the Revs two this weekend, which you know we can't see. However, as a special thank you. Season ticket members have been invited to attend the final preseason friendly, which is going to be against Providence College on March 8th at 7.30 p.m. at Burns Stadium. This is huge. Like uh, the, the club has been has been hinting that they wanted to make this open, especially after so many games have been closed door or, or at least not available to the public. This is an incredible gesture that they're taking on, especially with the amount of work that they have just a week later to to get the stadium ready for the final you know the final hoorah uh i i think this just speaks of again of a, of a front office that's in in tune with what the fans want like we always say they keep uh they keep making the right decisions so gates are going to open at 6 30 to claim your tickets you need to log in to your uh, rafc account on SeatGeek and claim the tickets in the offers tab if you have a parking pass pre-purchased you can also claim that. Otherwise, you will have to request one for those that didn't prepay. Now, real fast, this is, again, a season ticket member event. This was designed as a special thing for them that if you do not yet have season tickets, this is the perfect example of why you want to sign up and make sure that you go and get that. They're still available. So if you'd like to come out to a free game, because that's what this is, like they're not charging you for it. That's exactly what you can come out and do. So just just keep that in mind. I, I want to make sure that we don't gloss that over and people think, oh, I can just show up at Bryant. You will have to have a ticket. You do have to be a season ticket member to get that ticket. Or or you have to have a, a relationship with Defiance 1636. And those people already know how to get their tickets with the supporters groups. We're not even going to broadcast that. But you, you, need to, you need to be a season ticket member to come to this. Yep. And you're going to have until 10 a.m. on March 5th to claim your ticket. Uh, concessions will be available. I don't know if this will be the the full extent of what we're going to get during the season. Uh, there will be no alcohol, however. Um, tailgate, you should be able to. So we've we've confirmed. So I confirmed. know we're working with old knowledge now. Yeah, you okay. can, there will be tailgating. We do not know what time you can tailgate. Yeah, because this is a active open university, so I imagine we can't show up too early. Five thirty an hour before might be a safe bet. Uh, if we get any other information, we will communicate that you to you through the socials. Yeah. So so tailgating, you know, you bring your food there then if you want. Just, you know, be responsible with your tailgating, of course. And if we get any other information, we'll post it in social media. We're getting uh getting a trial run before the season starts and get to uh see how the boys play out there. Do you uh do you like this is the nerd in me when it comes to operations and whatnot. Do you think what's the thing that they're going to have an aha moment about as they trial this with, with the fans coming in, the logistics, the supporter group and how they have to be security marched in and out. Like, what do you think is going to be the, Oh, we didn't, we didn't catch this in the design. That'd be a good question. I, I imagine um, like most places when they do openings, they kind of underestimate the, amount of time like things you know take to to kind of go through like the amount of time it'll it'll take to get everyone through the lines for concessions so on and so forth that maybe they've underestimated a few things and then kind of need to go back and re reassess and reevaluate do 
Do they need to give themselves more time to get this thing done? Do we need to hire another person or two? You know, those kind of things. So let's get into these uh let's get into these Bermuda results, yeah? Yeah. So um real fast before you go. Yeah, what's I up? was listening back because I always do like a how can I do things better on each podcast, give like technical notes. I predicted as a joke at the time that there would be a seven to one scoreline against one of the Bermuda teams as a joke. You did get the amount of goals scored, correct? So thank you. That's exactly (laughs) where I was going to go. And then also in the rule of prices, right rules. Did I win something? Like, is that the, I bet $1. So I won the showcase. Like I need to know, come on down, Matt and claim your prize. Does this get me anything or is it, is it all or nothing? Here's a brand new dishwasher. I'll take it. It's connected to the cloud. (laughs) It'll send you alerts. Be like, Hey, you didn't empty me last And then night. it'll upcharge me for the amount of water I use at prime water times, like <laughs> Wendy's charging for their fast food. But no, and do it I... It doesn't work when the internet's down. <laughs> do, I, <laughs> do I get anything for a seven to one prediction, even though it was eight to zero? Um, Is the, it all or nothing? I just want to know. The gold stars that I ordered, they're not here yet. Dang it. Okay. Sorry, they're delayed. All right, go for it. So the amount of goals scored was correct, but it was eight goals scored for us, for RFC. So uh, put on a show there. Two from Fusan, uh, two from Kazera, two from Brito, and then Sadie and Ibarra. But, but like, let's get honest, though, too. You know, when I saw that scoreline, I immediately thought, oh, man, we played, like, the U16 team. And I mean no disrespect to Bermuda because they they are graciously or they have graciously hosted the team. The team's already back now. But, you know, they... they permitted us to come in they paused the bermuda premier division so that their players could come together and play this this squad these were not in any way shape or form pushovers right like this was this was a it was a mixed bunch but it was a solid professional core of players so yeah this was this was a mix of national team players bermuda premier division players and there's actually a usl championship player in their roster as well so it's not like we were playing some amateurs, but I will say just to give this, to keep this result a little more grounded, they are rated like 169th in FIFA, like global rankings, and they're like 22nd in CONCACAF. So I would also take a grain of salt from this result and don't, like, I, we don't want people going into the, to the the league thinking, oh, we're going to start beating teams eight now. <laughs> it's just, that's not going to happen. This was also a friendly preseason. Generally, you you don't go into tackles as hard. You're not, you know, it's, it's more of a, like we've mentioned before, the idea is to get out there to, to really like start to feel your team and know, like know where the, your guys are going to be. Like if they've got your back, where, like where you need to cover, where the passing lanes are to really, gel with the guys right and and i think that it's important that we also say you know kano is still experimenting too so even if there was success in the immediate product that was on the field that doesn't mean that that's what he'll be playing when it comes time for usl matches so let's jump into this so we have had the privilege of knowing not just the scoreline but we've also known the formation and the players that started which is something we have not yet had in any of the matches um, so this was kind of our first, you know, peek behind the curtain, if you will, 
on seeing kind of where Coach's mindset was. So Coach did set up or deploy in a 4-3-3, which he has alluded to for a very long time that that is a uh, a formation that he was trying to influence as the squad has been built. Um, so we had, but but, and I also want to preference, we got this information from the Royal Gazette, which is the equivalent of like the New York Times, LA Times of Bermuda. Really appreciate them reaching out and sharing this information. Having said that, he gave me the players, but he and he gave me the formation, but he didn't give me who was in each assignment. So we are taking some liberties with this to understand where we think these people would have lined up based on what we know about the squad themselves. So in this 4-3-3, we had uh, Coke Vegas uh, manning the net. And then we had uh, from right to left, we had Stephen Turnbull uh, at right back, Grant Stoneman and Karifa Yao in the center. And then we had Jojea Quizera uh, holding down the left back line. And then in the midfield, we had Clay Holsted on the right. Marky Barr in the middle, and Joe Brito. I think you could switch Mark or and Joe depending on what you saw. And then in the front three, we had Prince Sadie, which we, we know is a pretty, very much a right-sided winger. Kevin Vang then, which this is the interesting one, Kevin Vang was holding down the left, and we believe Noah Fusan uh, was the lone striker, where, again, we've seen him be a winger, but we also have seen him be orientated as a striker, as a position of need when it's when it's been demanded. There's some there's some obvious things I think we need to talk about, and we can maybe save that towards the back half of this conversation. But as a four three three goes, you know that back line is one of the back lines we've discussed as as one of the contenders as the starting lineup. Like there's a couple alternates you could go there. How do how do you feel about this formation? I'm a big fan of the four three three, and I I think this is pretty close to um some of the formations that we were kind of coming up with. You know maybe one or two changes here that will uh. We'll maybe see, depending on how the season pans out, because, you know, this is still preseason. Listen, there's a bunch of questions that people probably have in their mind if this was the starting 11, and we are going to get to that, but I think it's important we continue on, and then we'll discuss the overall tactics, the overall formation selection, and some of the players that are on these rosters and are not. Uh, So before we get into that, I think we should just get through the other game as well, and then we'll kind of unpack the entire thing. We did play a second friendly against them. Game two ended 5-1 um, at halftime was 2-1. So not as much of a thrashing. It was a pretty uh, big different lineup. Um, we have goals from Dequa, Anking, Blaze Hall. What a great name. You know, that is a pretty I am awesome Blaze name. Hall. Oh, I love it. I mean, that was the Bermudian that scored. We that, That's not a player for Rhode Island. See, he got the one for Bermuda, but still, what a cool name. Yeah, and then... Um, we have Fusan bagging another brace and then Sadie grabbing another goal as well. Right. So in this one for game number two, again, this time we got the names. We didn't get a formation. So there's a little bit of speculation here. Doing the research, you're about to hear a lot of new names because these are trialists that the club brought along on the journey. So not knowing where their natural position is and just kind of looking at the history of these individuals we kind of determined that this was either a, a more standard 4-4-2 or some sort of variation of a 3-5-2. Um, my gut is telling me that it was a 4-4-2, but I could easily see that 3-5-2 piece or maybe like even like a, a 3-4-1-2, um, which doesn't help because now I've listed four different formations in the course of five seconds. But let's <laughs> let's explain the players and then maybe this will make more sense. So in this game, we had Jackson Lee uh, manning the net. Uh, and then we had new trialist Josh Morgan uh, on the right back side. Grant Stoneman returned for a second appearance in Bermuda as a center back. And this time he was partnered with Kofi Tumase, who is the other center back that we and or slash defender that we've recently picked up. And then we had newcomer Alex Sternberg, which if I've butchered your name, I apologize. Charles Auguste 
in the midfield, along with Amos Shapira-Thompson, Isaac Anking, and Walter Varela. These are all names that, like, we because they're trialists and the club didn't even know we knew them, it's like we didn't get pronunciation sheets. Um, Varela, I think is it, it is a Portuguese name. But don't you have to have two L's? Um, Wouldn't it be Varela then? I don't know. I'm pretty sure there was a my, guy who my level played two, for Portugal. My level two Duolingo tells me two L's is the E sound. But remember, Portuguese is different from Spanish. Like, they're, they're, they're like the that same. That was the most obvious statement. You, I could have said that to anyone. Okay. <laughs> That's not fair to me. You've insulted my level two Duolingo. How dare you? Level two. Walter, Vi- what was it? Walter Varela. Okay, Walter Varela. So he was on the on the right side of that midfield. And so that's why we think it was a 4-4-2. And then up front was a combination of Prince Sadie and Kevin Vang again. So uh, so that tells me that there's a lot of interesting things here to unpack about this formation. One, heavily on trialists. And this was not where trialists played only 45 minutes of the match. This was trialists getting 70 minutes in the game. So this was literally their trial uh, to see if they'll secure contracts by their performance uh, for coach to make a determination because he did not need to bring players at this level um, in terms of volume to a place like Bermuda unless he was serious about signing them. So they seem to have made a good showing for themselves, uh, especially with Onking uh, scoring one of the goals uh, in in the game. Now, talking about these trialists, we need to unpack this a little bit more because there's so much conversation to have here. All of these, all of these players on paper. They, they're incredible signings for us if we wanted to pursue this. So we'll start with Isaac Onking. He's a midfielder. He's from Providence. He's a native. Uh, and he he played with the New England Revolution. And when I say played with the Revolution, I mean he was a homegrown signing who literally has minutes on the senior squad playing against the likes of NYCFC, LAFC, Atlanta, and Orlando. He doesn't have a ton of minutes. He had some injuries, which someone said have really, like they said how one of the injuries happened. And I'm not going to say it because I can't confirm that. But he had some injuries that then saw him get loaned down to the Revs too. And then eventually he found himself on the Columbus crew too, which surprise he's playing on the same squad as Clay Holstead and Noah Fusan. So there's a, there's already a linkage there. And if he's another center, uh, center midfielder, like the likes of Fusan, Holstead and Anking showing up into the, like this, like trifecta, it, it's, it's like, it's poetry being written in front of our very eyes. Yeah, and they have such a, a good like amount of talent over there in Columbus and Columbus Crew too. So it's not surprising to see us trying to maybe poach some more yeah. from them. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely one of the front runners. If we, if we could only sign two of these four, I think he's one of the two. And I'm not saying that we're only looking at two, but I'm just saying like if we were to if we were to only if we had to be selective, he's definitely a front runner in my mind. But then if you think that that pedigree is is like uh like that's the tippity top, we go even better on on kind of accomplishments with Charles Auguste. Uh, he's another midfielder who was signed for the Houston Dynamo again, the senior team, where he played in the Open Cup match against uh, Sporting Kansas City before being loaned down for the rest of the season to Dynamo too. And I started thinking about that. I was like, oh wait, the Dynamo won the Open Cup. So this guy, Charles Auguste, he's an Open Cup champion. He's got a ring, or I, I don't know if they give rings for the Open Cup, but he's he's got a trophy that he can say he's won, which of, of these people, that makes him the most professional champion of this group right now. Yeah, I, I would hope he gets some sort of winner's credits. Um, sometimes competitions, though, do have a certain number of appearance kind of like clause, 
No, so yeah, I'm just not sure I, I, how you know, that works. It's funny. I got really, I got too deep into the open cut bylaws when I started getting uh, into like trying to understand more about it. And it's really more about like cup tie than it is anything else. Like you can't change squads. You can't have development people move up mid tournament. Um, so I, I think he would get credit. And uh, if the cup doesn't openly acknowledge it, I'm acknowledging he's an open cup champion. So we've <laughs> I'll got to edit his Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> You know, funny, he actually, I don't think he had an open, uh, a Wikipedia page. Most of the information I got was off of, like, their college seasons and, like, transfer market, to be honest. Uh, and then third on the list is Alex Sternberg, uh, which, again, I don't know if I'm getting that right, but he played for St. Louis University, he played for Michigan State, and he's also a product of the Revs Academy. Uh, so he's a local in that regard, too. He's got connections with coach, he's got connections with the players. Now, the interesting thing about him is he has a social media channel right now and he's got like 40,000 followers and his whole entire journey, he's documenting his journey to get a professional soccer contract. So the reason I found out about a majority of these players is because Alex has been doing interviews with players in Bermuda and in his trialist opportunities. And that's how I found all this stuff out because he's been like, Hey, like, how did you get here? Tell me more. Like, what are you trying to get out of this? He, it's a really powerful journey. He's been nothing but positive in his approach and uh, I mean, the kid's got a lot of a lot of heart. I have to give him credit for that. Uh, so if he doesn't end up becoming a successful soccer player, he's got an incredible social media influencing path ahead and, and journey ahead of him. But, you know, he, he showed up. He seems like he has a lot of good skills. Again, he's a defensive minded midfielder slash defender. So it's again, it's one of those kind of like places where do we need more depth? It, it could be. So but then I want to get to the, the, the one that I think is the most likely that is someone we pick up. And that is Josh Morgan. Uh, he was most recently a right back playing with uh, UConn. Uh, had a ton of minutes in 2023 playing against the very same squads like Providence College, which we'll be playing in with our last friendly. Um, but the guy's just a beast. I watched his highlight reel. and We joked a couple weeks ago about like defenders never get really good highlight reels. This guy can take the ball away from you, pickpocket your wallet, and then like just move on and suddenly you're you're like homeless because he's kicked you out of your house at the same time like that's how good he is at taking everything away from you and uh i was just i was there for it uh he seems like he's got the right like the right defensive posture he seems like he's got really good uh lane control and like defensive mindsets and he didn't he wasn't afraid to take a player on defensively instead of waiting for the player to come to him uh, I, I thought he showed up really well and we've been talking that right back is one of the few places where we have not seen a dedicated person in depth for that role. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just the fact alone that he's a right back and he made it to he, to this stage, I think we would definitely be considering him just to make sure that, you know, Steven has some backup. Agreed. So listen, in final impressions for this, you know, the coach is still obviously at, at least uh, aloof enough to say that he hasn't finalized a formation. You know, he's comfortable changing things up as needed. So he's not one of those rigid coaches that's like, I will only ever play this and this is all I can do. So that was exciting to see him experiment with these two games. But, you know, if we're being honest, the first squad, or at least as much of it as we saw in the game, they definitely were playing a 4-3-3. So I think we can kind of lock that now in as an expectation or at least one of the primary tools that coach intends to deploy. Uh, the other thing that we learned from the games from the Royal Gazette is that these starting 11s played the majority of the minutes. So these players were getting their fitness up. They were playing 70 minutes plus. This was not a 45-minute a squad swap situation. This was 
these are the players that we can expect, at least again from game number one. You know, we talked about the players that started, but we missed out and omitted a lot of players that did not play. And, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack that in a second. But that was a surprise to me. And then Stoneman and Sadie also getting a lot of the playing time. So call that out for what you want for now. But that's going to be something that uh, I think we need to watch. But what I want to ask you, Jason, is who do we think the leading goal scorer so far in the preseason is? Like, we don't have every game's scorer, but like Fusan has been racking up the goals. And if he's got this many under his belt in preseason, again, this doesn't matter, right? Like the 8-0, the 5-1, these don't matter in terms of of where it needs to count down the road. But you also can't deny that he's putting the ball in the back of the net. What does this mean for him in trying to earn a starting role? Well, Coach has said that it's going to be based upon merit and how well they're playing and, and so on and so forth. So I imagine that he is definitely uh, putting his name out there. I wouldn't be surprised, though, too, with the the amount of attacking talent that this team has that we see some some pretty good rotation up front so we don't burn out any of the guys, you know? If you can get 45 minutes out of Mark Doyle and then you bring Fusan in, you, you're just guaranteed to have success on the field, right? So, like, I don't I don't disagree at all, but it's also hard to not say to Fusan, who I guarantee you probably was coming in to be depth, like, hey, we really need to maybe give this guy a serious consideration for, for a starting role. That... It, again, it's a great problem to have, but nevertheless, it is a problem that coach is going to have to figure out. But then the other thing I want to ask tonight is we've now seen one USL championship scrimmage, allegedly. We've seen one professional MLS senior squad. We've seen one MLS Next Pro. And now we've seen Coach Kano violate the Geneva Conventions in destroying his entire country of Bermuda. <laughs> I, I guess I have to ask, is this... Is this the right level of talent in terms of frequency and scale? Like, are we getting a good sense of, of what the baseline of this club's talent is based on these matches so far? Again, knowing that everything has to come to fruition on the 16th, I guess I just want to understand, is is this, is, are we on the right track? Or are we playing such randomness here that like it's hard to say this, this club is heading in the intended direction? Uh, for all intents and purposes, it seems like you, like we are doing very well preseason. Obviously, like I had mentioned before, don't expect us to score eight goals all the time. But it does seem like this team is going to be very attacking-minded and that this team has goals in it. How that pans out in a full season against a bunch of other USL championship teams remains to be seen. You, We've been talking throughout the week and looking at various, you know, YouTubers, influencers, and people who are around the USL. And a lot of them are also rating RAFC pretty highly. They're expecting us to be somewhere in the playoff mix. I, I think that we're on the right track. And and listen, I have to ask that question because it's just one that if I don't, I don't want us to ever sound like we're homers for this club. I, I just... I realize that we have not played at our level except for one time. And I wonder if that matters. Like, I, I just, I don't know if we're going to be shell-shocked in the first three games as we adjust to that, or if these are good scenarios to test the metal of this group. Like, that, that I guess that will remain to be seen. I also think that, and no dig against um, New Mexico, 
but like if the first game was against Sacramento Republic, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things where where you think you're ready and you just you just get knocked out right away, right? I mean, they there are they are no pushover, but we're also not playing let's let's say like the best team, one of the best teams in the league. I understand right I understand what you're saying. I just feel like it's bad it's bad uh juju to uh even say those things. So I'm going to pretend that I didn't hear that because now you've painted a target on you that if something does not go right in our inaugural match, I'm like not, I can, I can already not, hear the front office emailing saying us saying like you guys win, jinxed us. Just, you know, we are going to win. I mean, we I, have I to think win. we have to win every to. game. We're going to go undefeated. <laughs> All of them. 34. No, but a lot of them. Yes. It, you know, you, you don't want to, it's like when you get promoted into the premier league, and you see your first game against like Manchester City or Liverpool, you're just like, well, <laughs> write that one off, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's just it's, you know, you're obviously going to try, but it's just not a great way to start off the season. That that tracks. And and listen, I I think I think everyone in the squad, I think the technical staff, I think everyone in the front office, they've all been putting in 100% effort. So let's not let's not take away from that that they're punching up or punching down it's just more of a is this a good preparation for it so only time will tell only the results on the first game day match will 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 tell us if that's true or not so i think we've held off long enough because we've said a bunch of stuff about who's been in in the matches but we've intentionally left out some that have not and i think this is where this is where the podcast is going to turn to uh the conspiracy tinfoil hats and we're going to get a little dark here but some of this we know is true so we we have to take this with a grain of salt at the same time so for all the players we mentioned that were in the starting 11, uh, there were some players that were intentionally omitted, and we need to talk about it. So first off and foremost, Gabriel Alves, he was not seen in any of the uh, match lineups uh, for Bermuda, and so we started looking into, like, well, was he not fit? Like, was he sick or something? Uh, and then we didn't see him in the any of the fo- the photography for the club uh, in the Bermuda session. So um, that tells me that he is not available. Uh, we don't know why he didn't travel. There could be some sort of mechanic that we're not aware of. Uh, obviously, the club doesn't owe it to us to tell us anything like that. But we have some speculation that some of these names, they may not be here because maybe they needed to make room for the, t- the trialists. And maybe because these people were lock-on starters that they said, hey, like you don't need to come for any reason that we can't think of. But Gabe, Gabriel Alves was has not been uh, present, and you know we know that he's actually also not really sick. I, I said that earlier as maybe he was not feeling well for a day, but he's been practicing, uh, and we've seen him in social media along with uh, another teammate who also did not make the trip to Bermuda, which was Frank Nodarse. Now, Frank's is a little bit easier of a story for us to understand because uh, while he has been training and doing his you know physical work and and his you know whatever the coaching staff assigned him as as drills and practices. Uh, we we understand Nodarse's situation a little bit better. We didn't cover this when he was signed, but Nodarse, Frank Nodarse actually defected from Cuba during the 2018 CONCACAF U20 Championship. So when you are a person that has left your country under um, like asylum circumstances, my guess is, is that the way his, his ability to work and to be a part of uh, America is that he can't leave the country because he's not a... He doesn't have that citizenship that you would get as someone who's fled another country. So my my guess is, is that Frank Nodarse couldn't go to Bermuda because maybe Cuba could like like recall it, like bring him back 
or maybe he just didn't have the right the correct paperwork to go do that. So my guess is it's something political along so those lines. So you're telling me he pulled in was it Ozzy, Ozzy Alonso? Alonso? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seattle legend. Twenty three. I was actually so when I found that out, I pulled up the numbers. Twenty three players in the last four years have defected from the Cuban national team uh, into America or other countries to get away from it, and they have they have an insane stat of like twenty thousand people a year uh, don't ever come back. They just they run away from Cuba. So we're not gonna we're not gonna go there on that route, but that's our guess is why Frank couldn't be there. So that one makes sense, and that's a positive. Well, as much as you can make something like that positive. <laughs> but the next two are where we get really, really kind of scared. So buckle up, put that tinfoil hat on. We haven't seen Connor McGlynn in anything since uh, the last pictures in Florida and some of the hype reels that the team had uh, with him coming back from Florida. And he's been really quiet on social media over the last few, uh, over the last like week and a half, two weeks. Uh, only posting some pictures about like recent family events and birthdays. And so when I see a player go dark like that, my mind goes to one of three things. It's either illness. It's uh, he's just taking a like like a detox from social media or he's got some sort of injury. And, you know, that's the thing that we don't know. Again, going back to the Gabriel Alves thing like is he a, I I think Connor is in contention for the captaincy of this of this team I that's just a that's a vibe that I've gotten since meeting him so many times uh he was one of the first people we signed he's just got a great attitude that doesn't mean he'll get it but like I I would if I got to vote as a member of media I would put his I'd put his name in the ring or the name in the hat but him not being there but knowing that he's a lock on starter if this isn't a knock, did he give up his spot for that reason? But that that doesn't gel with me because he should be there getting the minutes if he's that important to the squad. So like this is all speculation and the club hasn't said anything. And let's get honest too. The club is never going to confirm these things because one, they don't want to tell their opponents the condition and the health of their, their squads. That That's something they're always going to... That's why they don't do injury reports to like an hour before. Uh, I think it drives fantasy footballers like crazy because they don't know who's going to show up. <laughs> Can't lock it in yet. Yeah. So like the club's never, the, if the club chooses to confirm, we'll obviously report that as is. Um, but like that, that's our speculation is, is the severity something we need to be concerned about? I don't know. Is it just something as a precaution? They said, Hey, like just take the week off. You've been doing great. Like we, we don't know. And maybe it isn't even something related to soccer. Maybe he like, like, I don't know, maybe he sprained his foot stepping off of a curb. It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> it is an interesting thought, though, that you brought up with the, um, I don't, I don't know if we, we could say that they're locked on starters per se, but say that maybe the flight there, they only had X amount of tickets. And if they're bringing trialists and, and such that maybe they did actually Maybe coach did have to tell a few guys to stay home. So that, I mean, I honestly think that's what it is because the club does not have infinite resources, right? Like they've, they've had, they, I mean, it may seem like it because they keep having to pay the expanded costs on the stadium construction, but they don't have an infinite money glitch that they can take advantage of. So they didn't put that cheat code in, did mm -mm, they? No, they did not. So that, that does resonate with me is, is like, if you've got a player that you know is good, maybe this isn't, maybe there, maybe all of our concerns about this quote unquote injury, maybe that's nothing. Did Connor McGlynn do the episode of Cribs? He did. Maybe is he exploring some sort of other <laughs> YouTube oh, stardom he's or something? Oh, straight to acting. <laughs> We've lost him. Oh, he's trying to revive the Cribs series. The darkest timeline. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, didn't you have a joke when we talked about this beforehand that like maybe he like tripped playing basketball and that sweet? Oh yeah, Cribs, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was Cribs tied into the Cribs thing. Yeah, yeah, where he he says he just kicks the ball, but I don't know. Maybe there was an accident in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyways, we don't know. And I don't want to get people freaked out. But that's just something that we need to consider. When we don't see a player and the club hasn't told us anything, we, our mind will always wander to dark places. So, and And unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. So we've got one more that we need to kind of unload and walk through because uh, as time has gone on, pieces of the puzzle have kind of presented themselves and some of what we thought we knew doesn't line up. And that is JJ Williams. So it was it it actually all came from the photos that we saw about the club being in Bermuda when we noticed he wasn't there. Once we saw the formations come in and we noticed he wasn't even in like the bench reserves, it kind of got us thinking like, why wouldn't JJ Williams like finally because remember chico just showed up in bermuda he's getting his first minutes with the squad there and you would think you would want to start comparing and unlocking your synergies between your two front strikers as fast as possible and not seeing him there we said like how could that be a missed opportunity for the club and then we went back and replayed the tape we didn't catch this at the time but we didn't see jj williams on the trip to florida either because we were busy interviewing the likes of Steven Turnbull and Coach Cano and a couple other players. So at the time, like we weren't we weren't doing like the uh the home alone Kevin uh Kevin headcount to where like <laughs> JJ Williams got left in an attic in a house in Chicago. Like what happened, we don't know. And so we haven't asked the club yet, so this is all completely speculation. And again, I don't think they're gonna tell us anything until they, they want to tell us something. But when you don't see JJ Williams in Florida, you don't see JJ Williams in Bermuda. He's not posting anything except for his hype reels, which is something we did see. So he did take the professional pictures um, for media day. But outside of that, we haven't seen him since the first actual media day where he did the interviews that we covered a couple of episodes back. I don't know what's going on. So you say he's posting stuff, but that could be a like media manager or something, right? No, no on his personal account. So, so like someone he, could have stolen his passwords. Maybe, maybe he's locked up. Maybe we need to save him. So JJ Williams is being held hostage somewhere in, in Providence. <laughs> he's in someone's basement or something. He couldn't find his way out. I mean, he, he's got a family. So that, I think we would have heard that on the news by now. I think his, I think his wife would have been like, uh, my husband has gone missing. Uh, the, the, what is it? The green Galaquist kidnapped him, uh, from, from Hartford. So <sighs> Dylan, how dare he? <laughs> so listen, jokes aside though, I, I think, I think we really got to make sure we, we get this right because I don't want to scare people, but I want to level expectations when you don't see a player for that long and he shows up for the media stuff, but he's not showing up in any of the team events. I don't know what to make of that. I, my mind only goes to one of two things either. And this is where we get really dark. Because the easy one is injury, and we can talk about that in a second. But the more I thought about this, Chico signing was such a last-minute signing for the club that my belief is, and, and kind of what we've heard around the organization, is like you heard that Chico's discussion was six to ten months in advance or something like that, right? And it's a no-brainer, and every club would want the golden boot to be on their team. I have a feeling that given that Chico was one of the last signings, because the, he was literally signed the day before media day, which we're, we already had our like starting 15 there practicing. There could be something to it that getting Chico means that we had to make a sacrifice in positioning how many people we have, especially with the amount of, again, we have a lot of front. Like maybe they, in terms of budget wise, are a little over, you think? And I don't, then... So I don't think the club would be so irresponsible to spend too much money, but I think that they may have seen like we have too much money sitting on the bench. Hmm. and maybe we need to try to sell this player. And when you're going to try to sell a player or trade a player, 
you have to think deliberately on like, well, what do I like? Do I hurt this player? Like it's an asset right now. Maybe there's already a discussion and he can't play until like, again, we don't know anything except that he's not playing with the club right now. So there's technically a, a third option as well, too. Um, it's it's rare, but occasionally you see if a player is in some sort of, say, legal issues or troubles, like they will, the club clubs will kind of remove that player from the spotlight so that they can kind of handle that stuff, you know, without being in, in being seen by media and such. So, I mean, it's, that, it's just a, speculation, but, but, you know, things like that do happen. Not that it could be bad, but maybe, maybe there is just some sort of thing that he is caught up in that requires his attention and he kind of can't be with the club right now. There's also a fourth option and we haven't even gotten to the third yet, but the fourth option could just be that he's strategically, he's like a vampire and he just knows how to like hide in every photo. <laughs> like he's just like in the bathroom when the team photo happens. He's like, not feeling like every well, time so he doesn't get the start at the 11. You see pictures of John Cena. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that poor woman's eating by herself. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I mean, that could be a thing, but I don't think that's the case because there's too much media out there. That there's too many things that highlight. But then the th- the final one is is he could be injured, and if he's injured, he's been he's been injured since before Florida, which would mean like. He got injured sometime between media day when we interviewed him and he, he looked fine. Like I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with him. Uh, and after that, which was a, either the practice or, or, you know, it could be the, it could be the scrimmage because the scrimmage did happen after that. Possibly. There's and always, do you remember we talked about the, the dust up the, the quote unquote fight? Oh, what maybe. if he got hurt? Like what would cause benches to go after each other? Uh, really bad fouls. Maybe Something maybe he a took a like a nasty two footed challenge from uh, from Dylan, and then I yeah I don't <laughs> I don't know I I like we're, we, again this is the tinfoil hat talking. So let's not let's not let's not get ourselves in a in a situation where we get in trouble later. But here's the facts: he's not playing. He hasn't played since media day. That that was the last time we could confirm it. So it's either he's injured and the club hasn't announced it yet. He's in the middle of transfer discussions and the club's not using him because we're unloading him already. There's a legal situation or well, he's a vampire and he just doesn't take photos. So <laughs> we need to be prepared for that. I'm going to be looking. I mean, I'll ask the club, but I, I guarantee they're not. They're going to be like, yeah, we'll tell you. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you whatever we want to tell you when we want to tell you. Well, so I mean, March 8th, March 8th, when yeah. we have the opening, like that's when that's when eyes are going to be on if he's there or not. Yeah. Even then, I, I think with the the season starting in what, two weeks We'll find out fairly soon. I mean, it doesn't affect anything right now. And as you can see with the talent we have, we, we're still scoring. We're still successful. And again, it was, I think, the redundancy there of, of now Chico being here. Like, we're going to be okay either way. Yeah. But I, I would like to know what his status is. Yeah, it would be nice to know what's going on. But we have enough depth that, you know, even if, say, he, for one reason, is out for a little bit. You know, for for whatever the reason is, like we'll be, I think we'll be okay. So we've got us some events we kind of already talked about. Um, but if you guys forgot, uh, the first official unofficial fan meetup has been set for March second at the Guild at 12 p.m. If you'd like to come out and meet some other fans of the club, get to know more about the supporters group, or just enjoy a Saturday drinking with some adults and talking soccer, that's the place you're going to want to be. Uh, Sunday, March 3rd, the day after, 
RFC is hosting a community event at McBride's Irish Pub in Providence between 1 and 3. Chip will be there as well as a chance to win a $50 RFC Team Store gift card. Nice. We've also heard a rumor that season ticket members can enjoy a free drink courtesy of the club. So this is just this is just an alcohol fuel fuel oh, weekend. They're, they're just you know supporting my alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm here for it. <laughs> should we should we bring like fake uh like glasses and mustaches and then just come in? Oh, like, just get back in line? Yeah. They'll never know. <laughs> They'll never know. They're like, sir, you already have four drinks in your hand. <laughs> I'm not that guy. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I both of these things were not on my radar. I mean, well, actually that's not true. The March the March second one has been. Uh, but it's nice that the club is is reaching out and extending something to the community. We'll definitely be at the Guild on Saturday. I don't know if Sunday will line up. That there was, I think we were going to go watch the the Manchester Derby. That's, that's more that, drinking. That's this weekend. Yeah, that's this weekend. Are you what? Oh, you're right. <laughs> February has 29 days. <laughs> we still haven't figured out and how that pay works. Yeah, so it's it's going to be drinking at the Guild, then drinking at the Moniker Brewing for the Derby, and then oh, it's going to be drinking at the. McBride's Irish Pub. <laughs> yeah, I, where am I? <laughs> these are problems. Um, good problems to have, though. Uh, and then uh, I think we have one listener question. Yeah, uh, Tim here is saying it seems that most New England soccer fans gravitate towards the Vermont Green for a USL two club, but until Portland joins the league, there's no natural USL one team to follow. With the upcoming USL one tournament this season. Which team do you think RSC fans as a whole should support at this USL1 level? Did you see the USL1 tournament? I did not. So I don't have all the details remember, but basically they announced a USL1 tournament that will play throughout the season. Basically, if, if they had their own sort of cup tournament, just to kind of give them some more meaningful matches and I think in the press release they even said maybe to kind of foster some kind of more rivalries and such. Um, if I remember correctly, they kind of they they separated the teams into like groups. regions, yeah. Probably, yeah. So may, maybe it'll be something like like a Champions League or whatever. You play through group stages, the best two teams or whatever will advance, and you know it seems cool. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it this is a hard answer because. One, I'm not I'm not actually investing as much time into the lower leagues just yet. I know Vermont Green because they have a sick kit. They have a really great mission statement. Um, we actually are partnering with a photographer who covers that club who will cover Rhode Island FC games. So it, it's difficult to say. Isn't there a USL1 team that um, Jermaine Jones bought and or runs? I thought it was two. I, I know well, he didn't buy. He's the, he's the coach of it's like Central Fuego FC. Okay, yeah, no, they're USL one team. They're one. Okay, so then That's I it. mean, You're I'm a fan of, of Jermaine, Jermaine Jones. Jones. Okay, you know he's he was one of those bright spots, one of those few bright spots during those Jurgen Klinsmann eras. Okay, I mean, I'll, I'll go with that too. Then as a de facto so, with you, because I I don't know if like is Ford Madison are they USL one or USL two? I don't USL one. Oh, ooh. ooh, another good option is um, there's what's that one team? Everyone loves Omaha. Richmond Kickers, right? I they, I mean, they used to be top of the top of the walk yeah, they, so they've got some history they came out and were like yo the usl open cup means a lot to us so I, i've spent so much time trying to drink in usl championship i just have not had 
You're just too hydrated. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the other thing too, like I I subscribe that we will be in a pro rail state in the next year to three years because that's what's needed for this for this company as as USL goes. Not to go off on a tangent, but do you know can a country have more than one division one yes well that's what the women's teams have okay and wsl and the new usl super league are both division one and the women's so then game. at some point we'll expand upon this but then you know the usl goal should just become a division one get pro rel that's what they're trying to do buddy and then just mls can do whatever I they think, want no i think one you just crack the code um yeah. but but to, to the specifics of it i actually also don't want to get acclimated to a usl2 or usl1 team because this is not where like I have an MLS team that I love and a USL team that I love, this is a very likelihood that if I start supporting a USL one team, they could be in the championship in three years, and then I have to like freaking hate them. So I don't want I don't yeah. want to fall in love with something that I'd have to let go of later. Yeah, maybe he just means in the very casual sense, in the way that like I enjoy watching AC Milan from time to time. Am I a fan of them? I don't know. I don't watch all their games, but you know sometimes. I if, do. if if the game's on, I'll watch it. I'll learn. If it if a USL one club is the one that's advancing in the Open Cup, I'll get behind him a hundred percent. But we we put so much work into this podcast. Even though people probably like you don't put that much yeah. work in this podcast, we <laughs> maybe, put so much work in. Maybe for us, it's not reasonable. But maybe for for you know RAFC fans who are hungry for more soccer, Central Valley Fuego. You know, there you go. At least until maybe um you know. Maine gets theirs going, and yeah, maybe that'll be cool. I was doing some research on Maine, ironically, the other day for USL one. So I guess this is like immediately a hypocrisy because I just said I don't pay attention. <laughs> but uh, I was someone's trying to think about. They asked us like the steps on to develop a podcast for a club that hasn't started yet, and they were looking at us as a blueprint. And uh, I, they were they want they wanted to call themselves uh, like they wanted to reference Maine as a part of the the coverage and i was like i don't know i don't know how portland like we get the privilege of being so tiny we are a state where we don't have to deal with the city versus state mentality but i think there's some cities out there that would not want to be roped in to um to the rest of their state and since maine is always joked as like the 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 south state of the north um you know no shade maine but let's also be honest uh <laughs> i i don't know i don't know how portland would, would receive a, a maine attachment so it'll be it'll be curious but anyways Listen, we're at, we're out of time. We we have we've once again ran so long. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I got, one day we're gonna have to find out if if uh, if listeners like this much or if they would rather us just to like keep they it to forty five minutes and walk. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but to kind of to 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 kill off the pod here, we do have some upcoming guests. So we're gonna have Paul Byrne, uh, the stadium manager, on the pod in a couple of weeks, as well as the New Mexico United podcast, Somos Mas. Somos Mas. Uh, they'll be helping highlight uh, how listeners can prepare and what to expect from our uh, visiting away side. And then uh, we're going to have a ticket giveaway for the home opener, as well as uh, some exciting special merch giveaways, including an RIFC kit uh, in the weeks to come. So stay glued to our social media to participate and earn yourself a free kit. Uh, Jason, get us out of here. Yep. Speaking of social media, you guys can catch us on Twitter, Threads, and TikTok at RAFC Podcast, Instagram at Raising Anchor, and there's that website, www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. Anchors up. Anchors up. 